0: Walking Dead live, but it's value, not brains, they're eating. So-called zombie funds, life sciences venture capital funds that are fully invested and unable to raise new money, still maintain their board seats. But Outcome Capital's managing directors Oded Ben-Joseph and Arnie Friedman say their divergent interests from their fellow board members often lead to disputes that can end the life of promising technologies and lead to acquisitions that, leave much value on the table. We spoke to Ben Joseph and Freeman about the boardroom dynamics where zombies lurk, the consequence of this board misalignment, and how acquirers may seek to leverage the situation. Odette, Arnie, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Uh, thanks so much
0: for having us. We're going to talk about dysfunctional boards that result from a misalignment of the board members' interest, the role that contraction of the life sciences venture capital community is having on this, and, and how this may shape M&A activity. But let's start with your firm, Outcome Capital. What does it do, and and what role does it play with venture-backed life science companies? So Outcome Capital...
2: He's a highly specialized uh, advisory investment g- banking group. Uh, we assist uh, life sciences companies primarily in uh, positioning and strategy and most importantly identifying uh, a path to liquidity uh, for those companies. We speak with uh, uh, various venture firms uh, that most of our companies tend to be venture-backed, and obviously we have quite a broad network in the VC as well as the P uh, segments. Uh, We we assist those companies in reaching a sort of a decision point as to where should they take the technology uh, at this particular point in time. More often than not, We are hired to raise capital, but then we would uh, recommend uh, a merger or vice versa. Uh, We would uh, recommend, uh, we were, we would be hired to, for an M&A, but we uh, recommend the financing. The idea for us is to uh, attempt, and we've done so quite successfully over the years, uh, the idea is to align technologies and companies with their respective uh, market segment. And more often than not, management teams and as well as boards Uh, tend to be far removed uh, for the dynamics of the segment that they're in. So that's where we come
0: in. You talk about so-called zombie funds and the walking dead that find themselves on active boards. How common is it today to have a venture capital fund that's fully invested, unable to raise additional money and and just riding its portfolio investments until the fund can wind down? Any way to quantify that? And how likely is it that they would be on the board of one of their portfolio companies?
1: So, uh, it is, it happens with, uh, with frequency, uh, in great regularity that many of the boards today here in 2016 are still, uh, left, there's still a hangover, if you will, from, uh, 2008, fourth quarter of 2008 to the beginning of 2009, where we went into a serious, uh, crunch uh, cycle where uh by way of example uh that uh, there were maybe 280 uh firms active life science focused venture firms uh investing in uh uh device diagnostics and biotech companies and today uh, that number is uh somewhere is in the 55 to 60 uh, active firms with capital now that doesn't mean that there aren't, are, are not many more than 55 or 60 firms still uh, active on boards uh, representing their portfolio companies. It just means they are among uh, the, quote-unquote, walking dead. Yep. They aren't raising a new fund. Uh, they have no further uh, liquidity in their funds uh, to uh, reinvest or follow their investments. But they've made a significant investment at some point in time in a company and enough, enough that they still maintain a board seat. Dynamics and metrics uh, around decision making for that board member versus the board member that has the capacity to still write a check, their behavior is very different and their motives become different and as a result there's a dysfunction Uh, at the board level.
0: Well, we'll draw that out for us. How how will the interest of a board member representing a fund that's no longer active diverge from other board members?
2: So that's easy to explain. So um, while, at least in theory, uh, you can perceive boards as all sitting at the same side of the table and representing the interest of the company, uh, more often than not, they actually uh, represent the interest of the fund. So if we take uh, an example of a a company that uh, needs an additional, let's say, $20 to reach or hit a value inflection milestone, and they have three or four uh, VCs on the board, uh, one or two of which, which are, as Arnie said, among the walking dead. They do not have additional capital to invest in the company, uh, whereas the other two or three VCs uh, do have uh, additional dry powder. Uh, that's exactly the, the point of divergence among interests, because one firm, the one with the money, would say, I can probably get a much better multiple on my current investment by hitting that value inflection milestone, whereas the fund without the money uh, uh, is not able to do so. So they will probably resist an, addition, uh, an additional uh, round of financing and would probably push towards uh, a different path, such as a merger and an acquisition.
0: What's the consequence of this in terms of promising technologies dying or or even technologies that should be left to die being kept on life support?
1: So the consequence of uh, technologies dying is um, it it happens uh, with some frequency. Uh, There are other consequences as well. But, uh, the bottom line is what may happen in a situation that Odette just described is, uh, the board comes to a vote and, uh, based on who has seniority and preferred shares and ownership and the ownership structure, if, uh, if the non, uh, uh, if the non, uh, uh, Value add, if you will, of the non, of those investors that do not have the capacity to write another check, if they outweigh and outnumber those that do, then they are forcing the company, uh, towards an M&A transaction. They hire a banker, and in the event they can't get value for the company, uh, or they can only get some minor value for the company, then, uh, that, that becomes the answer company then has a distribution that may satisfy uh, the investors the institutional investors of the company more often than not management and those who have built the company are getting nothing or close to nothing so then there are other circumstances where a company is uh, vote the board is voting to take the company to market and uh, even the strategy around uh, how to authorize bankers to uh, negotiate on their behalf uh, for on price. Uh, voting to approve a deal, uh, the bar is set or the threshold is set very low for those that just need to return capital uh, to the LPs. They may not even be, those board member representatives may not be and oftentimes are not, Uh, the actual founders of that particular venture fund. They may have sold off some of the assets in the fund to a secondary, uh, in the secondary market. So now there's a new representative representing the LPs, the limited partners' interest in that defunct fund, or almost defunct fund. And their, and their interest is return of capital. Don't take chances. Don't take, don't risk the deal. So it pushes uh down values and strategics, meaning the acquirers, the buyers in the process in the market, are always attuned or try to be attuned to which of the board members have money, have capacity, which of those don't, and there's gamesmanship that goes on that does not inert to the company uh to the company's benefit. Is uh, there
0: ever an effort if if there's a an, another round being finances, is there never ever an effort to buy out these these dead funds?
1: Not really. I mean uh there is always an effort independent of this discussion, you know, when when uh those the haves and the have nots are on a board, there's always this uh process going on behind the scenes with a very active secondary market where uh where funds Who are secondaries go and approach some of these near defunct firms to buy up and offer to buy up their portfolio for X cents on a dollar. But, but when it's live and you're, and they're actively representing the firm in a sale of company, um, it is, there's oftentimes at uh, a very difficult and and lots of tent- difficult scenario and lots of tension around um the 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 uh notion on the one hand that I'm supposed to be carrying out my fiduciary responsibility as a board member which is to represent all shareholders, not just my shares but all shareholders uh versus uh my my motives around representing the limited partners of a defunct fund, and I'm just trying to return capital any way I can so uh what we have witnessed live in many board sessions is that those that are representing these sort of defunct funds uh they're trying to they're trying to walk away with cap with capital uh not necessary. Not necessarily the best price, but any price, while those that are healthy, robust funds are, are willing to say no. If they can't get the best price for the firm, then the answer is no. We'll keep building the company to achieve a value-added inflection.
2: I will just add, that to, just to uh, make it short, uh, two obvious consequences of this scenario. A is innovation gap. So we are going through a major innovation gap post uh, 2009 meltdown. So companies that could get fa- funded, no longer get funded for technologies. The second consequence is risk to closability. Because when, uh, when a board or an advisor is successful uh, in actually finding a home uh, for a piece of technology that is a strategic buyer that is in a position to continue to develop that technology and bring it to market, because of that board dynamics, the risk to close a bill of actually closing a transaction is much increased.
0: I suspect it's near impossible to remove one of these board members from a board. But are companies becoming any more sophisticated when they enter into finance ag- agreements to write it in such a way that it would give them the ability to do that if a, a, a fund becomes defunct, as it were?
2: Well, over the 20 years or so that I've been doing this, uh, I haven't uh, seen any evidence that companies are getting uh, more sophisticated at uh, this at all. But I have no way to measure this because this is this is not the kind of thing that is getting reported. So there's no public information that I'm aware of.
0: You you talked a little about um, potential acquirers paying attention to the the makeups of boards. I'm wondering if you could expand on on that a little. It would seem acquirers have been the beneficiary of these trends, particularly with values down. Any sense how sensitized they are to these internal dynamics of a company's board? Do do they actually hunt these situations out?
2: So I think that acquirers, uh, again, uh, we have to look at uh, sort of the various uh, subsegments. So just by definition, an acquirer, Uh, is much more likely to have a a highly sophisticated, let's say, business development transactional type of person uh, uh, on their side of the table, whereas most uh, early to mid-stage biotech companies, meta companies, uh, cannot enjoy uh, uh, that level of sophistication. So I can tell you that 9 out of 10 buyers are definitely very aware of that dynamics, and if there's no unity within the board, not only is the closability risk increased, but uh, but the price at the same time is also likely to decrease. They know that uh, they know that the alternative to some of the investors is to get completely crushed by their peers on the board. If they invest more money and they lose their preferences, as Arnie uh, mentioned earlier, uh, they, they don't want to take that risk. So their their, their willingness to uh, sell the company at a lower price is is, is higher.
0: We've come through a period of great liquidity and money at the ready, the, the best and most sustained IPO market for the life sciences in, in many years. What impact does a downturn in financing have on the situation?
1: There being a downturn in the market has some impact, but actually, when you look when you look at the strategics in uh, the life science segment, on average in good years and in bad years you will see that companies are acquiring more or less the same number of businesses uh as uh, in each and every year good year bad year all the same so yes there are more acquisitions in good years than there are in bad years but it's not the delta is small uh, the major difference comes actually with IPOs, of course, because in a down market and in a down economy, there are far fewer IPOs and then more, uh, more companies available into the acquisition landscape because that's their only way to exit. M&A is their only way to exit. And, and perhaps lastly, uh, the, there's this, Trend, which has really been exacerbated by the, the, the shrinking of fund, available funds, the number of venture funds that are out there alive and healthy. Um, this began, as I said, somewhere as around Q408 to beginning of 09. Its impact is still being felt today, but it's not as great this year as it was last year. It will likely continue for another two to three years. Before all these portfolio companies are washed out, uh, then, then you're only dealing with active and live uh, healthy funds or, or predominantly healthy funds. But it is moving in that direction. It's not there yet, though, and we have another several years to go.
0: All right, Ben-Joseph, Managing Director of Outcome Capital, Arnie Freeman, Managing Director of Outcome Capital. Thank you both for your time today.
2: Thank you so much.